Well, I'm so glad that you're at church today. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Aaron Burke, and I know there's a lot of guests with us today, and I just want to say welcome. If you are um, visiting with us, maybe you've been trying this out for a few weeks, and, and you're looking for a place to call home, can I just say the church shopping's over. You have made it, whether you're invited by your friend or it's also on social media, you're in the right place today. So Radiant Church, one more time, can we honor our guests that are with us today? It's a huge deal. Let me give you one announcement and then we get right into the message. Um, it's in December, the middle of December, December the 11th, we do what's called our annual legacy offering. And our legacy offering is a special time that we get to give, not just to the church, but through the church to make a massive difference in the world today. And um, I I'll tell you, I'm so proud of what our church has been able to do, launching seven campuses and everything we've done is debt free to God be the glory. And we've got some massive, massive announcements that'll happen uh, two weeks from today. Uh, I can't give them until then, but in two weeks from today, uh, you're gonna see a lot of what your legacy giving is going towards this year. So um, keep praying. I will never tell you what to give. We're not that weird church, um, but we will unashamedly ask you to ask God what he would have you to give. And let's end this year strong. We're gonna launch our eighth campus next year. By the way, this year alone is our first year in the history of the church we've been given, able to give over a million dollars to global missions. Come on, to God be the glory for that. It's a big deal. So I'm, I'm pumped about it. Thanks for praying about that. Y'all ready to get in God's word? All right, all right, all right. We are in part eight of our series through the book of Romans. And uh, I love this series. I love trying to figure out who we are in Christ and what the impact of the gospel has been. And I told you last week, we're in one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible, Romans chapter eight. So we did the first part of it last week. We're gonna read the last part of it today. And we're gonna do a little special. I know you just sat down, but we're gonna do something special is we're gonna read it out loud while standing. So I, I know some of y'all are going back to your Catholic roots today. It's like sit, stand, sit, stand. So do me a favor. Why don't you all stand? We're in Romans chapter eight. It'll be on the screen. And if you can't see it on the screen at all of our campuses, then take out your sermon notes. It's right there. And I want you to say it out loud because it's so powerful. It's so impactful. And I think it'll change your life. We're in Romans chapter eight. We're in verse 31. Are you ready? Ready? Say yes. Oh, I love this. I love it. Ready? By the way, this is my favorite Sunday to preach. Everybody's got an extra hour of sleep. You're happy, smiling. You're ready to shut me down. It's going to be good. Ready? Let's say it. Let's say it with confidence. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death 
nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor debt, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can we give them some praise today, church? Love that. You can be seated. You can be seated. If you are a note taker, which we are note takers here at Radiant, this is the title of the message. And I'm talking to you today about our eighth I am statement. And it's simply this statement. I am more than a conqueror. I am more than a conqueror. This is the title that Paul gives us. And some theologians and some scholars would say that Romans chapter 8, verse 37 really sums up all of the gospel message right here that because of Jesus, look what he says, in all of these things, every difficult season, every trying season, every doubt-filled season, every season of loss and every season of victory, in everything that you're going through, look what he says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, this phrase has always bothered me because I didn't understand what it meant. Because some of y'all read this and go, Aaron, that's awesome, but why don't we just become conquerors? Like, wouldn't that be better? Like, why, why do we need to become more? How do, you, how do you get better than a conqueror? It didn't make any sense to me. So, so I was trying to do some digging. I tried to figure out what is Paul actually writing here when he gives us this title of more than a conqueror? Like, it's like you're a little kid. You're like, you're the bestest. Well, you're the bestest, bestest of them all. Like, no, 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 no. How, how, do you, how do you top conquer? So I'm, I'm going to give you an, an illustration that I think will change your life. It'll help this all come alive because I think it's the best way to understand what it means to be more than a conqueror. And for, for me to do this, I got to introduce you to a friend of mine, and his name is King James. Now, it's not the King James version of the Bible. It's what some would describe as one of the greatest basketball players of all times, LeBron James. Any of the LeBron fans in the house today? Now, anybody believe that Michael Jordan is the better goat of all time? Uh, wow. All right, well, that aside, let me give you some stats on LeBron James. LeBron James, in 19 years of playing in the NBA, he has been on the NBA All-Star team 18 times. He's got two gold medals from the Olympics. He's competed in uh, 10 NBA finals and has won four NBA championships. Of those four, he has been named the NBA Finals Most Valuable Player four times. He holds the record, hear me out, for the most playoff points scored ever. And he now has crossed the, the crucial moment where he now has the highest career points in history. Now, he, this guy is a conqueror. On October the 20th, just a couple of weeks ago, LeBron James made his 2,144th three-pointer in a game. Now, that is 2,144 more free three-point shots than I've ever made in a game. <laughs> Not only is he a great basketball player, but LeBron James is the first basketball player in history while playing basketball has acquired a net worth of over a billion dollars. A billion dollars. That's a big deal. Now, LeBron James is the definition of a conqueror, of someone who has overcome, who is victorious. So then you go, well, Aaron, how do you get more than that? How do you have more than that? And I'm gonna introduce you to four people who are more than conquerors. So I told you who's a conqueror. Let me show you who's more than a conqueror. Let me show you this picture. There they are right there. 
That, my friends, is LeBron James' family. So that's his beautiful wife, his three amazing children. And you go, Aaron, how in the world are they more than conquerors? I don't play basketball. How in the world does this happen? Let me show you what it means. Write it on your notes this way. Because a conqueror does the work and gets the reward. Y'all following me? So they have to put in the training. They have to put in the time and the sweat. Does the work, gets the reward. Well, Aaron, how are they more than conquerors? Ready? Write it down. Because more than a conqueror does no work. <laughs> but because of relationship gets the reward. Are y'all with me today, church? I, I, I love this idea because just because of their connection with LeBron, they get all of the perks without the work that went into place in the first place. And I want to remind some Christians here today that when it comes to your salvation, when it comes to your sanctification, when it comes to your, your path and your potential that God has for your life, I want you to know that you are not the one that does the work. You're not the one that does the work. You didn't acquire this yourself. You didn't earn this yourself. You are not the conqueror. The conqueror came 2,000 years ago. He lived a sinless life. He died a horrific death on the cross, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again three days later, overcoming death, hell, and the grave. Jesus is our conqueror. Can we give him some praise today, church? And that's why Paul says, since he's our conqueror, you're more than a conqueror. It's not that we're more than Jesus. We have such a perk because of relationship with him. We get all of the rewards of his work and we get to live in that. And that's good news today, church. That, that's why Paul wrote it this way. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. It's not yourself. It's not your hard work. It's not your effort. No, no, no. It's thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to present to you today a case of the fact that you are called to live as more than a conqueror, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross. But you don't feel like a conqueror. You don't feel victorious. Many times we have those issues in our life. We have those addictions, we have those setbacks, and that's where you find yourself today. I really felt like I was gonna be preaching a message today to a bunch of people that just felt, you felt like you're battling. You felt like you're having a hard time walking in victory because I want you to know, it's very normal in life to feel like you're not victorious. I wrote it down in my notes this way, it's right there in yours. Being attacked as a Christian is inevitable. You have a real enemy that's against your life. You have a real world that's fallen and broken. But I want you to know, as someone who's more than a conqueror, being attacked is inevitable, but being defeated is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. We cannot lay, live at a life less than what God has called us to live at. We are called to live victorious. And so you've got to understand who you are, what God has paid for you to have, so that you can walk as more than a conqueror. But many times we walk in this victim mentality. We walk just sitting there and we walk around, oh man, because of my past and because of what I went through and because of who raised me and those words spoken over me. And we live a life secondary to what God has for our life. So you don't see yourself as more than a conqueror. Write it down your notes this way. Because we have a new identity in Jesus Christ, we are no longer victims of our circumstances. 
Let me just tell you that today. You're not a victim of your circumstance. You're not a victim of your upbringing. Well, what happened to me was so bad. It might have been terrible, but as because of our new identity, we're no longer a victim of our circumstances, but we are victors through the cross. So we're victors through the cross. So we have a new identity. We have a new way of living. And I'm going to show you today a tactic that Paul gives us to help us live as more than conquerors. Seeing this identity walk out in your life and work out in your life. And he does it in our passage by asking four questions. How many questions? Four Four questions. And I want you to see them in the passage. He says them right before he gives us our identity. And there are four questions that you need to ask yourself when you're in the midst of an attack, when you're in that slump of life, when you're having a hard time experiencing breakthrough. Look at these four questions. Here's the first one. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? It's a good question for you to ask. I'll break it down in just a second because some of y'all, you feel like a lot of it is against you right now. Then look at the second question. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? How many things? All. all things. Very good. Look at this next question. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? And then it says, it is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? That's the next question that you need to ask yourself in the midst of your battle. And here's the fourth one. Look what he says. He says, so who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Four questions every believer needs to ask in the midst of their their battle. So let's go through them one by one. And then I'm believing that at the end of this thing, you're gonna walk out of here totally victorious. Number one, here's the first question is, if God is for us, who can be against us? Let's talk about that for a little bit because I call this, and I try to brand every one of these questions, I call this the opposition question. The opposition question. He starts it all off with, who's against you right now? Who's coming against your life? And let me just tell you, you have a real enemy against your life right now. You have a real opponent against your life. So the best tactic of any warfare is not just to know yourself, but you need to know who your enemy is. You know what I mean? It's like, you got to size them up before you fight with them. Because the last thing you want to do is fight with someone that's going to destroy you. You remember those days when you're in middle school and you're, you know, it's the two most important things during those recess fights. Who's got your back and who are you in front of right now? Because you want to make sure, man, are we going to take this guy out? Are they going to take us out? So you got to know who your enemy is. So let me tell you who your enemy is. Your opposition is three things. Number one, it's the flesh. The flesh is not your friend. And you need to hear that today because we live in a culture that says, if it feels good, do it. Just have a good time. And that's crazy because it doesn't work for your life. Because listen, let me tell you this way. If it feels good, it's probably something you should avoid right now. There's something in your life that's drawing you towards it because those things that feed your flesh end up killing you. Let me give you an example. There's donuts and there's celery. One of them, it feels so good, doesn't it? It, 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 it feeds your flesh. It gives you that sugar high, but you feel terrible afterwards. And then it's, it's feeding your flesh. And then there's the other one. And you're just like, oh, this is terrible. It's rabbit food. But you're trying to understand, like there's a healthier way to live. You got to understand your flesh is not your friend. You have to live in such a way that we are not called to maintain our flesh. We're not called to, to feed our flesh. We're called to kill our flesh. And, and far too many Christians are living a lifestyle where they're entertaining the flesh 
And they're so frustrated because they get behind and they get beat down and they, they can't get ahead. And the reason why is because whatever you feed is always going to grow and whatever you starve is going to die. Wow, wow. So if you're in a world where you're always feeding your flesh and you're starving your spirit, there's a reason you feel the way you do right now. So the flesh is your opponent. We don't feed our flesh. That's why we don't watch some of the shows the world's watching. We don't entertain ourselves with some of the things the world is entertaining themselves with. Why? Because we're not here to, kill, uh, to, to feed our flesh. We're here to starve it and to kill it because we are not to live by the flesh. We're to live by the spirit. Amen. Here's the second one. It's the devil. The devil's your opponent. Now, the devil is not some red guy with horns and a, a pitchfork, Okay. So he's not, he's not walking around like trying to, trying to, you know, get you to think bad thoughts and he's sitting on your shoulder. That's, that's not the devil. The Hollywood, Hollywood makes light of the devil because they want you to think he's not real. But he's a real enemy that really wants to take you out. And, and he is on the attack. Him and, and the demons of, that are in this world are on an attack against you as a believer. And here's why they, they are attacking you. And I want you to hear this at all of our campuses. They're attacking you because they believe something that you should believe. They believe that the fact that you have unlimited potential and destiny in your life. So what they're doing is they're all out assault on you. It's not because of the mistakes of your past, but because of the potential of your future. And they just believe that if they can stop you where you're at, listen, they can't mess with your salvation, but they can mess with your significance. So there's so many of you that you're not walking into your significance because you're continually getting attacked by the enemy and you're believing his lies and you're getting deceived by him. And that's why there's some moment in your life where you have to rebuke the devil, rebuke him out of your life, take authority over him so that he's not messing with your kids anymore because we have a real enemy. Can I hear an amen today, church? Here, here let, let me just say it this way. What, I think every person needs two massive victories in their life. Two massive victories. The first victory you're ever going to experience in your life is when you put your faith in Christ. Yeah. And some of you, you've never made that decision today. You've never made that decision in your life. You're going to make that decision today. This is your moment to surrender your will, to give Jesus your life, and everything's going to change. Yeah. That's the first great victory everybody has in their life. The second great victory in, uh, that everybody has in their life is where they stop believing the lies of the devil. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Stop believing the lies. I, I'll say it this way. The first great victory is when you put your faith in Christ. The second great victory is when you stop putting your faith in the devil. <laughs> so you have to get to a place to understand you have a real enemy against your life. Here's the third one is your other enemy is the world. Culture is not our friend. We're, we're not here to, to entertain culture. We're not here to, to be like them. We're here to be transformed. The church is not to be in the world. We're supposed, to, we're supposed to be in it, but not of it. We're supposed to live in a world to be light and salt, not to be in a, in a world where we blend in and we become just like them. Some of us are so much like the world, that's the reason we can't impact the world. So I know, I know it's like we're in a moment right now that every, everybody wants cool church and cool pastor and cool, cool stuff. Let me just tell you, our goal is not cool. Our goal is holiness. It's to be like Jesus. I'm not, I'm not trying to look like the world. I'm trying to look like Christ. We're not trying to be hip. We're trying to be holy. Let's just make it all about him. Can I hear a better amen? So what do we do with these three enemies? Because these three enemies are real. And I wrote it down this way. The struggle seems great, but the Savior is greater. 
So when you, when you feel the attack on your life, whether it's your flesh, whether it's the devil, whether it's the world, you understand if God is for us, who can be against us? I understand I have an enemy in my life. I'm not sitting there naive, but I also understand who's got my back. And the God of the universe is bigger than anything that's coming my way. So I'm going to get my head up and understand I have victory through him. Deuteronomy says it this way. For the Lord, your God is the one who goes with you. Look how personal he makes this. To fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. Do you see how personal that is? That's how good our God is. So when you ask yourself the question in the midst of attack, if God's for me, who can be against me? The answer is nobody can be against you. Nobody can be victorious because it's not you fighting because you're not the conqueror. He's the conqueror. You're more than a conqueror because he's going to bring you the victory because he's fighting your enemies to bring you victory. Can we give him some praise today, church? Second question, look what he says. He says, he who did not spare his son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Now, this is a crucial question because you got to understand this. The, the first question is, is simply that opposition question. The second question is this is the provision question. This is how are we going to pay for this thing? If you're a parent, you know this world where you sit there and you have this child and you're like, how am I going to pay for this thing? <laughs> We've all had those moments. I actually started making a list the other day. I was doing a little planning for the future. And I started making a list of some like the major expenses that I'm just like, I'm sure these are going to come down the line. You know, it's braces. And I'm like, oh, oh my kids are going to need that. Thanks, Katie. No, it was me too. I'm just kidding. <laughs> like college. I'm like, man, I got to pay for that. It's expensive. You looked up college, it's like really crazy. And then I have four girls. Pray for me. That's like, that's a lot of weddings that I'm responsible to pay for. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, how am I going to, we always ask ourselves those questions. How are we going to do this? How is it going to come through? And when you're in the midst of a battle, one of the attacks of the enemy is, is God's not going to come through for you. God's not going to provide for you. This is overwhelming. In the midst of Abraham, he was given a, a command by God to go to the top of a mountain and to sacrifice his son. And it, imagine the most difficult assignment ever. And he goes to the top of the mountain, puts his son on the, on the altar. And when his hand is going down to kill his son, God stops him. And God provides a ram in the bush for him to sacrifice. And in that moment, we see a bit about God's character in one of God's names. And it says it like this. In, in the Hebrew, he's called Jehovah Jireh. And the phrase means this, the Lord will provide. I, it's a powerful phrase. It's actually a definition of who God is. When you're in the midst where you're experiencing lack, you're experiencing an overwhelming thing that's against you, you look at that and you re remember, if, if God said, me, said that he's going to provide for me, if God has put me in this situation, then I'm going to trust him that he is still Jehovah Jireh that will provide all of my needs according to his riches and his glory. And so, so, so he gives us a description. I want you to follow this for just a second. He says it like this. He goes, won't he who gave us his son, so he tells us the bigger sacrifice. I wrote it down this way. The greater provision is our salvation. So he provided this massive salvation 
talking about his son on the cross. So we don't doubt that. We don't doubt the fact that he went to the cross for us. It was the perfect sacrifice. He says, but since he provided that, won't he provide all these other things also? So the greater provision is our salvation. Write it down your notes. The lesser provision is our stuff and our satisfaction. These are the things that we get stressed out about, don't we? We get all freaked out. Like, how are we going to pay for this? How is this going to happen? How am I going to be happy one day? And you've got to have this moment where you realize exactly what Paul said. You ask yourself the provision question. Wait, I'm stressed out about something that is so much smaller than the big thing that God's already paid for me to have. He's given me my salvation, then won't he provide my stuff? He's provided heaven for me. Won't he take care of my earthly home? If he has healed my soul, can he heal my body? We've got to understand he's a God that can do it all. Can we give him some praise today, church? That's why Paul says, and my God, Jehovah Jireh, will provide all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. I don't know what you're facing today, but I want you to get your head up. You're more than a conqueror. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to push your way through it. I'm telling you, our God will provide it for you. He's a good father. Can I hear an amen today, church? Number three, look at the third question he asked in Romans 8. He says, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? So we got to talk about this one for a second, because let's be real. The greatest battle many of us all face is that battle within our own mind. I can't live free. I can't overcome. I'm unqualified. I'm I'm not the right pick. I I have a past. I, I have this addiction. We all have those moments where we define ourselves because of all this stuff that we've done. I'm, I'm calling this one the accusation question. Because let's be real. We all have that accusation in our mind, that thing in our mind that comes against us. Anytime we try to step out, you're going to lead a small group. You're going to go to next steps. You're going to be involved. And that accusation comes up. And that says, no, 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 you can't do that. You're not qualified for this. You're, this, is, this, is, this, is a, a, this is a distraction for your life. There's no way you can do this. And what it is, it's the enemy of your soul distracting you. It's in deceiving your life, accusing you right now to try to get you to live backwards instead of forward to what God has for you. I'm a firm believer that the enemy's tactic is always to get you to look backwards because if he knows that you're looking backwards, you'll never move forward. If you continue to look back on who you were, you'll never walk into who you can become. Satan is called, it has two different titles in the scriptures. One is the father of lies. And the other is the accuser of the brothers and sisters. It's, it's, he's, our, he, he's, he's a liar and he's an accuser. That's his two tactics on your life. I'm here to expose it today because so many of you guys are living restricted based on the fact that you just sit there and you go, I, just, I can't move forward. That's, that's on you. That's not on God because God's already paid for it. God's already taking care of it. Write it on your notes because his two main, his two main weapons, the enemy's weapons on your life, or to deceive you and to bring up your past. That's what he wants to do. He wants to deceive you into thinking you're something you're not. 
And he wants to continue to bring up who you are and not just who you were 10 years ago, who you were an hour ago when you were coming to church and you were, you know, you, you, you act all nice and everything amazing in here. But when you're in the car, you're yelling at each other, screaming at the kids. They don't have shoes on and y'all got an extra hour of sleep and y'all didn't even sleep in today. What's the problem? And then you get into church and you're yeah, everything's good. But then you can't even worship because all you're sitting there going, man, that attitude came up. That behavior came up again. And Paul addresses this. He, he makes us continually remember our new identity. Look what he says in 2 Corinthians. He says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You are not your issues and your past and your failures. You are now walking around as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I know, I know it's difficult to feel, but I don't care how you feel. I want to walk in what we know. And what we know is there's no accusation the devil can throw your way because you are not who you are. You're who God says you are. Paul addresses it. Look what he says in verse 34. Who then is the one who condemns? And then he gives this phrase right there. Ready? No one. There's nothing that can hold up in a court against you. Why? Because Christ Jesus, who died more than that, was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is also interceding for us. That's amazing news, church. Look, at, do you know what that means? Is that Christ paid for your sins, and now he's sitting up in heaven. And some of y'all think that God is sitting up in heaven talking bad about you. But we learn in that passage is God in, is not up in heaven talking bad about you. God is up in heaven interceding for your future, interceding for your success, interceding for you to walk in the grace that God, he has for you. God is praying for you. That's good news for us. So who can condemn? No one because of what Jesus did for us. That is how we live as more than a conqueror. Number four, and we'll close with this one. Ready? And he says this phrase right here. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Four questions in the midst of all of our attacks. And this question is so significant, I call it the love question. The love question is, does God love us? Did what I do separate me, mess me up from the love of God? And we have to answer this because Paul addresses it head on because we've all had those moments where we've doubted the love of God in our life. And somebody in here today is doubting that love in their life. Look what he says, verse 35. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble? And some of y'all are in the midst of that trouble right now and you're feeling, you go, I just don't think God's with me anymore. Shall hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, I don't know why that one's in there, but it's in there, you got the idea? <laughs> Danger, sword, Alabama losing. You know, there's difficult days. Too soon? Go Tigers, right? Baton Rouge, born and raised, I'm telling you. Something about that sweetness of victory. There's moments where you get to a place where you have to understand, are all these things that are happening to me, is this, is this just God mad at me? Is he frustrated with me? Is he with me during this? Let me just tell it, say it this way. My love for God isn't contingent on what he continues to do for me. If your love is based on, man, if it's a good week, then, then I'm okay. God loves me. If it's not a good week, then God must have forsaken me. You don't know who your heavenly father is then. Because when you really grasp the fact that God loves you, no matter what you're going through or how difficult it is, 
Let me tell you, it is not contingent on what he continues to do for me. It is constant because of what he did for me on the cross. So I look back on the cross and go, I, I don't care if I feel it or not. I am confident in his love because if he went to the cross for me, then there's nothing he wouldn't do for me because that's how much he loves us and we're his children. And Paul sums it up like this. He says, for I am convinced, I love this, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death or death, depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You need to feel that. You need to understand that, that it doesn't matter what you've done. God really, really loves you. He really loves you. And God's love is not based on feelings. It's based on facts. I don't care how you feel. I'll tell you the fact. The fact is that he loves you and he went to the cross for you. Amen. And he cares for what you're going through even right now. Yes. John says it this way. This is how God showed his love among us, that he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. We, we, we know that's the fact. The fact is that God loves us. How much does he loves us, love us? He stretched out his hand on this cross to show you, I love you this much. God loves you. St. Augustine wrote it this way, God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. <laughs> what a great phrase right there. I want you to know, no matter how much you messed up, how difficult your season is right now, God loves you and he's fighting on your behalf. You're not the conqueror, he is. Amen. You are more than a conqueror. You get all the perks, Without the work. It's hard to wrap our minds around. I've got uh, five kids. The middle one is my only boy. His name is Kai. My legacy. A lot riding on that kid. When, I was, uh, when he was 18 months old, he had a growth pop up underneath his eye. And as a parent, you know, you freak out. Like, it just freaked out. So we went to the doctor, went to multiple doctors. They couldn't figure out what it is. And that, that's scary. So then you go on Google. That's not a good idea either. So the growth, uh, the, the doctor said, it should, it'll probably go away. It didn't go away. It kept going bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, it got to a place, it was scary how huge it was. So one day after church, one Sunday, I knew we have a pediatric um, uh, nurse practitioner that is attending one of our services. So I pulled her aside. Now, I don't do this often, but every once in a while you need a little free help. So I was like, hey. <laughs> pull the pastor card. I'm like, I need some help. So I showed her the picture and she's, and she freaked out and she immediately told us what it is. She said, it's a, it's a pyogenic granuloma, which is basically, um, it, it's a, it'll continue to grow. And if you, if it cuts, it'll just bleed everywhere. And so, um, listen, if you're queasy, you don't like to see blood. Nobody likes to see blood, but if you, if you're really weird about it, just close your eyes for just a second. So this is how bad it got. Okay. That was his eye right there. 18 months old. And so it continued to grow. So um, the doctors told us, so as soon as we found out what it is, we went and saw a bunch of dermatologists. They're like, oh, it's fine. Um, he'll probably, it'll probably disappear by the time he's a teenager. That's what I heard. And I said, not my son. This is my son. I mean, we woke up multiple nights and this is what his crib looked like. It was covered in blood, covered in blood. They're like, oh yeah, it's normal. They'll just bleed for hours. I'm like, that's not okay. 
So just, just relax, just take it easy. It's not a big deal. He'll probably grow out of it. Or maybe when he gets older, we'll have, he'll have to have surgery. I said, no, 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 this is my son. Aaron Burke makes things happen. I, I'm not gonna settle for this. So I kept calling. Closed door, closed door, closed door. I don't care. Who do I need to talk to? Who will do it? Well, we don't do the surgery on kids that young. Well, who does? How can I find someone? Found a, one of the top surgeons in, uh, in all children's in St. Pete. And, and, and oh, I'm sorry, not seeing patients. He'll see me. We we're going to make it happen. I'm going to keep pushing through that. I'll show up there. I'll show up with my son. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Make, take, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it happen because that is my son. And because I love him so much, let me tell you, I am not expecting him to resolve this problem. He's the child. I'm the son. I'm the father. I'm going to take care of my kid because I love him. So I got him into the top surgeon at all children's. And we brought him into surgery. This is the week of Easter in 2018, by the way. Always pray for your pastor around Easter time. And that was us bringing our 18-month-old kid who was going to be totally sedated, anesthesia for a few hours. It was, it was a scary moment for us. I, I thought of that story as I was preparing this message, thinking of the grief and the angst of my child who is hurting. And when I think of that, I don't think I'm even grasping the little fraction of how much our God cares for each of us. The thing in your life that you love the most, that you will fight for the most, that you will care the most about, you're only scratching the surface to how much God radically crazy loves you. And if that's true, and it is, then I want you to understand this then you don't have to fend for yourself and fight for yourself and try to make it happen yourself. You have a heavenly father who is madly crazy in love with you and you're his child. So here's what you do in those moments where you're in pain and those moments you feel lost, you just throw up your hands and surrender to a God who loves you so much, who nothing can separate you from that love. And he's the one that'll conquer it. He's the one that'll bring breakthrough in your life and he's the conqueror and you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Can we give him some praise today, church? So do me a favor, nobody moving around. Why don't we stand to our feet right now? It's a holy moment. Oh man, I feel the presence of God here. Just every eye closed. There's a group of people in here today and you're in the midst of a battle. You're feeling that war. You feel disconnected. You're feeling like it's just setback after setback. This is your moment to be, to experience the love of God. It's not based on some feeling. It's based on the fact that he went to the cross for you and he will provide everything you need right now. You're going through that battle right now. You need that grace. You need that love. Come on, just do me a favor. Just stretch a hand towards heaven right now. Come on, don't be ashamed of it. This is your moment. And as a sign of surrender right here, just take that other hand and throw it right up. And in the church, we understand that as we surrender, we don't lose, we win. So Lord, we give, us, we give you our pain. We give you our trial. We give you the battle that's in front of us right now. And we know, God, that if you're for us, none can be against us. We know that since you gave us your son, you will give us all the other things that we need. We know that there's nothing that can condemn us because we are made right with you. And we know that nothing will separate us from the love of God that we have in Christ Jesus. We receive it, we believe it, and we declare it in Jesus' name. We pray, come on, let's sing it, church.
that decision you don't become the conqueror you become more than a conqueror because of the relationship with Christ and he's going to walk you from this point on into victory after victory after victory but it starts with your surrender right now if that's you on the count of three I want you to respond in faith today today's my day Aaron to go all in with Jesus I've been playing it back and forth today's my my day of going all in surrendering to him and watch how he'll take your hurt and your pain and your sin and your past and give you a fresh start this is your moment of salvation. Count of three, throw that hand up. One, be bold. Two, three. Come on, throw those hands up. That's you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, just wave it at me, put it right back down. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you at all of our campuses right now. Thank you. Why don't we all pray this prayer out loud together? Say, Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I give you my sin. I give you my past. Forgive me. Thank you for dying for me. I choose to live for you for the rest of my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, come on, let's celebrate those who just made the best decision ever.